Hi, I'm Michael LaFaver. Please make sure you've heard our extended review of the first episode of Season 11 of Beyond Gilead before listening to this podcast. This is the fourth episode in this review series, titled Ruined Soul. Mary has some news. They might leave Gilead Lane. Is that a good thing? I'm Ryan Matlock. And I'm Michael Favor. We're two touristy fans of Beyond Gilead. And today we're reviewing 11-4, What Should Be, Will Be, by Lori Twitchell. So join us for episode 141 on our return to Gilead. Here's the summary for today's episode. Mary Morrison has a concern about Gilead Lane that may affect the future of her family. Meanwhile, Becca Taylor is acting hostile towards Janet Gray, and her friends and family try to figure out why. I'm going to run through the version differences of this episode because there are eight minutes of version differences, part of which is due to this episode being on 1.01 speed on the CD. Again, I don't know if they it was did a... it again. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if it's just the way that I ripped it from the CD, but anyway, we've got the first two scenes and then the third scene is completely cut. We've got a, a scene that's the same as the last two episodes. The second scene of the episode is John in his office. He gets a buzz from the secretary and somebody walks in. This time, it's Janet coming in to talk about Gilead Lane and or asked about like how it's Gilead Lane doing. She mentions that the Coloring, the Coloring Quarterly is the Coloring Connection now, and she's like she mentions the new people who are in town. This was referenced in the last episode with the tourist. Uh, he asks her what her angle on the story is going to be. She doesn't have one yet, and John doesn't know how some of the things happened on Gilead Lane. He's a little concerned. There is half of the next scene is cut when. Hope is talking about how she went out and talked to Sam and Bruce, even though she was told not to. And everyone's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be talking to the construction workers. They're strangers. And she's like, well, yeah, but you all were strangers when I first met you. And so then they order pizza. And I think Anna Townsend is here and orders pineapple. I think that's what's going on. I don't know. Then two scenes later, midway through, there are a couple of lines where Becca is talking with Brooke and Becca is like, well, she dated Tom Richter. And that's that line's still in the CD version. But then there's another line where Brooke's like, you can't say that she or Tom did something 30 years ago that still affects like still affects your perception of them today. It's like it's it's not the right thing to do. So those lines are cut. Then there's a version difference in the, the scene where Grace is packing up right after Grace offers Mary some lemonade. Grace is like, well, I'm not intentionally packing up because my house is being threatened. It's just I'm letting go of the those things around my house. Then there's actually sound effects of pouring the lemonade. So in the CD version, I don't think she actually pours the lemonade which is funny. Mary asks about the job <laughs> offer that was referenced in the previous episode and that she doesn't want to take Grace for granted. There's stuff about the publisher and that the Morrisons want them in there. But Grace didn't mention the offer to the Morrisons because she didn't believe that God had released her from Gilead Lane yet. And there's another line later in the scene where Grace says that Mary shouldn't worry, even though there's a lot of worry on Gilead Lane, but that it is good to have some kind of worry for your kids. And there's a line of faith and protection and stuff. And then there's another version difference in the, the spa day. Oh man, we just got to talk about this. Now the two ladies who walk by and are talking about the family fun center. Is it just me or was something very, very, very off about those lines? It just sounded so scripted. Maybe. I don't know. You don't remember I, I, where you they wanna... were making fun of the family fun center. No, when they were talking about it, like, Oh yeah, it's going to be so good for the community. It's something we really need. Do you want to hear the scene again or should we just No, I know it? what the scene is. I thought that they were making fun of it, like no. being ironic. No, they weren't. <laughs> Are you sure? 
Absolutely. Let's listen to it again. Okay. And you are very welcome, Becca. So, what do you hear about this family fun center? Oh, I've heard a lot of good things, Cindy. From what I hear, it's going to be so wonderful for Coleraine. The wave of the future for our future generations. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Family-friendly places you can trust for your kids. <laughs> Everything that Coleraine needs for Coleraine's leaders of tomorrow. You know, they're right about that. Coleraine's needed this for a long oh. time. Oh, I know. Our kids have been neglected for so long. Mm -hmm. Funny. I never really felt neglected. <laughs> Me neither, Peck. <clears throat> All right. We have three That doesn't sound the like they're making right fun there. of it. No. And then breaking character and saying, funny, that I didn't ever feel neglected. It sounds like they're repeating the propaganda they're hearing. Yes. So, but the, dare I say it, the directing is so poor there that it just sounds like they're being sarcastic. Or No, no it's they are a, being sarcastic. No, hang on. I guess, well, well, let me clarify then. Wait, so, so you think that, no, that was Becca that said that. Funny, I never really felt neglected. Yes. So the, the two ladies who were talking. That's the mom. No. It's not Mary. It's Mrs. Morrison. It is not. It's somebody named Cindy. So, what do you hear about this family fun center? Oh, I've heard a lot of good things, Cindy. So who's talking right now to Cindy? The lady at who runs the spa. It doesn't make sense. I, th I think the lady, the, the lady who runs the spa hasn't been in this conversation yet. That is her, because it's the same voice who says, all right, we have three openings in the nail room. Earlier? No, later. later. I know it doesn't really make sense, but... It can't be Mary. It's not at all the same voice. So the, the one who speaks second is like, oh, I know Cindy. That, so that's not Cindy. So the other one's clearly not Mary. And that one is clearly not Mary because of the, like her, her voice is completely different. Okay. Maybe there are three different people. Huh. So that's not, that's not. The Joel voices all sound Mueller. just so similar to me. Like Cindy sounds like she's supposed to be, um, or like Mary? that line where Cindy says something and then, um, Becca. Becca does. replies, or like Becca goes, funny, I never felt. I thought that was just Becca's voice when she's making fun of someone, and then Becca's voice when she goes back to being Becca. Yeah, the way I interpreted the scene was there's just two ladies who are walking by talking about it, and then Becca has an aside where she's like, well, that's funny, I never thought about that propaganda. I never believed that. In which case, yeah, that sounds terrible. That's not, like, it. I never heard that scene that way yeah. because it sounds like, I know. These, are, like these voices are so caricatured that I thought they had to be like Mrs. Morrison and Becca and even like, I don't know, Brooke or somebody just <laughs> putting doing on a voice. a voice and being like, ha, 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 this is so silly. Well, we just had this three it episodes does not ago. But like, you're right. Yeah. If yeah. that's supposed to be the people just walking by or the, the employees there, why would the employees be making fun of it? But also it sounds like they're I supposed to be saying it genuinely they might not be the employees they might just be two random ladies who are just there um that's so, okay that's, to be to be I've, fair ryan this I'm is officially just like what happened yeah <laughs> this is three episodes after what's with you people we're the enemy so to be <laughs> fair last Who's directing right now well it's steve odell has directed steve every odell. every episode in the second half of gilead yeah that's what i thought I'm I'm so confused. And I, yes, yeah, I'm I'm not. I'm, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Probably, hopefully. Okay. Next, the final version difference is just a little thing that's cut from the conversation between Mary and Becca. There's just a quick line about Mary says like he cares for for you and for Luke, and he's worried about you, and that he had a flood of worry about Becca when she talked to him. Just a little quick 
blurb in the middle of that conversation. So just to remind the audience of what happens in this episode, Ryan, just and for my sanity as well, when I look at the title, What Should Be Will Be, and when I tried to remember what this episode was, I couldn't remember it at all. So what what happens in this episode? We, we okay. just gave the, I gave the summary, but just yeah, give us sure. a quick recap. So if this you can. is the episode that immediately follows the cliffhanger that happened last episode, which, yeah, by which the way, this about. was the start of the Red Rock cliffhanger. <laughs> um, or like the, the like from season two of Red Rock, where the cliffhangers just are completely pointless. That that's what happens here. Where in the last one, Mary's just like, I think we need to move away from Coleraine, and then here she's it, like, her husband's just like, move away. Well, well, let's talk about it, and like it calms down, and then the rest of the episode's pretty tame. It's worse than pointless, dear boy. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Gravity Falls yet? No, but I've seen that meme. I don't have time to watch okay. Gravity Falls. Ah, uh, okay. Anyway. Um, we should interview them. So, from there, <laughs> from there, we get a little bit of, like, Janet Grey, but then the main plot of the episode is that Becca does not want her dad to be dating, even though he is thinking about starting to date Janet Grey, and she is, like, repulsed by that thought and expects him to not do that and date somehow the way she expects him to i don't know what that is whether that's not to date at all or whatever she just doesn't really want him dating janet gray and she doesn't Meanwhile, communicate her expectations either she just clams up which on a surface level would be like yeah that's how becca would act but i i i asked she has how, so well, I, like well, if she's the one person i'll give a, a pass to for clamming up because she did it like the entire first season of her existence well you mean season two or season five yeah in season two Both. why was she... <laughs> Well, we're gonna have to talk about that because I don't, I don't get it. But continue. Well, she was, she was like very flaky, was what I mean. She was flaky, yeah, but she wasn't like clamming up. Like she, she was pretty okay, sure. open about like, hey, Brooke, this is how I'm feeling, and I don't know just why I keep falling in with the wrong crowd. Five minutes later, she's in with the wrong crowd again. That was the way it worked for her. And then with her mom, it was very much, you left us. I don't like you. And then that's it. It's like I don't want to talk to you because I hate you. And then sure. finally, Jones like, "Hey, um, okay, so I'm valid. sorry. I I was completely wrong here." And then Becca opening back up. I forget what our reviews were of those episodes. I remember there was something controversial, but I don't remember. Anyway, back here, I I don't. Yeah. Point. Yeah. Point being, like, yeah, I, I agree. It's not nearly as bad as it was. I I just felt like sure. of all the characters, I feel like she's more likely to say, look, I just don't want to talk about this right wait, now. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Not as bad as it was. You mean in this episode, the way that she's climbing up isn't as bad as she was previously? No. I mean, in the past, it wasn't as bad as it is here. Yeah. yeah okay. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That said, not the point. The, the rest of the episode plot wise, there's like Mary having lots of conversations about feeling like maybe she needs to move away from Coleraine. Eventually, that all kind of culminates with her and Becca talking about it, and Becca realizing that she shouldn't have expectations that her dad not date, and her and uh, Mrs. Morrison goes, "Oh, and I shouldn't have expectations that uh, my life be cushy, which, and so I should trust God." Which can I just say, oh my word, what happened here? Play the clip of the day. Okay. She said that if she didn't help Ben with something he was doing, and she kept pushing away, then she wasn't doing what God wanted her to either. All right. John, I've been looking at all of this as the Coleraine we dreamed about and what we wanted. 
And I've been looking at it all through a lot of anxiety and worry. I haven't been looking at this at all as what God wanted. Uh, God wants us to move? No. I don't think so. I think, maybe, God wants us here. Coleraine's changing, and it's not our vision of Coleraine, but maybe it is God's. And maybe he's made you the mayor and placed us here to have an impact. Like Hope and her movie. If she'd run away, she wouldn't have been able to make any All right, changes. Stop it, stop it, stop it right impact. there. Stop it, stop it. We're not bringing the previous episode in this one. This was the point where I was no, listening through the... we uh, should, because it matters. <sighs> you're Ryan? right, there's still plenty to unpack before we even get there. So, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say... This was the point up until the conversation with Becca, like at the very end of the conversation with Becca, I was thinking, man, I don't know if I have a lot to talk about on this review. There's just not really anything happening this episode. And then Becca says, if I don't help my dad, then I won't be doing what God wants me to do. And then Mary's like, oh, that applies here as well. It's just like hope in the previous episode. My goodness. What happened, Ryan? What is going on? I am so confused. Please break this down because I don't even think I can talk about it. Yeah. So I think what the episode is going for is trying to say that, at least on Becca's side, she, I think it starts out okay because it seems to be indicating like, hey, Becca, you've got a problem for like expecting your dad to not do this. When you haven't communicated that to him. not try to seek some happiness, not try to, like, basically order his expectations around your expectations. That's not very fair, well, no, is here, it? Here's another thing. She is a well, member of the family. Janet Gray would be her stepmom if that happened. And the whole point of the conversation is like, well, if it's what your dad wants, you should just go along with that. Like, there's no indication of if she if she really doesn't like Janet Gray... Maybe there should be more consideration into like, well, maybe I should get to like, get to know her better, understand why I don't like her. And if I really still don't like her, communicate that properly to my dad, because it's as much I mean, a part of her life as ish? it is her dad's. Like if Janet, if they get Isn't married she in college now, I guess you're right. But still, that doesn't mean that so she wouldn't be a part of the family. Does a child get to stop controlling their parent? I'm not saying she's controlling as far as her the parent. decisions their parent makes for the connections that they form. I'm not saying she's controlling her parent. I don't think even if she were in high school, it would be any different. I'm saying that just well, I because... think if it were in high school, it'd make more sense. But if she's in college, she's moved out. Essentially, she's only going to be home for like three months out of the year. And that at, at that only for the next like three years, at which point she'll be gone probably permanently on a job. I don't know if it's if it's as much this is this is a person who will be at my home when I come home. It's I know that my dad is getting remarried or would would be getting remarried or there'd be I somebody mean, in my so, family. Like even if she were if she were getting married, I would say that if there's an actual issue, then yeah, a family member could say, "Hey, I think this is an issue," but that should be out of concern for the family member, not selfish concern. Right. Because so yeah. Even if even if like, oh, no, this person's going to be my stepmom. OK, so that doesn't mean that they have any control over you. Yeah. Well, so it doesn't the... mean that you have to spend time with them if you don't want to. So Becca's concerns seem to be well founded. It's like, hmm, there's something about her. I, I don't trust her. I think she's just doing this. And if uh... Je- well, 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 let me let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. It is it's bad either way. It's a. It's it's harmful to Becca's character to say that she's arbitrarily 
assigning these things to Janet Gray when they're just not there and thinking, oh, I just don't like you because you're dating my dad. That's extremely petty. If that's what she's doing, because if that's what she's doing, it is. then all right, I want to trust Isn't her. It? Like, is there anything in canon that says otherwise? There's the thing we don't even see. We don't even see the interaction between Ben and Janet. So I can't even judge for myself. All I have to do is just go off of Becca's word. And I trust her until the scene with, with Mary, where Mary's like, no, Janet's been going to church for a long time. I trust her. Okay. And then Becca just gives up. It's like, wow. But even then, like, if we, like, even, like, one of the scenes that was cut was her saying she dated Tom Richter, like, 20 years ago. Yeah. That's well, why would, I don't trust her. Wouldn't that be, like, Tom Richter was not a great person, and he had a lot of serious character flaws, and He wasn't a terrible seen... person when she dated him. When she dated him, it was prior to anything that he did wrong. He was just the son of a rich guy. Well, so, he was drinking on the night of the accident. Yes. So. Did he start drinking after he was dating Janet or was he still a troublemaker well, when he was dating really Janet? It doesn't really matter either way. Like, or like, I guess if, I don't know, how old was he at that point? Was he in college, high school? I think it was high school. I guess that changes things a little bit differently. Like I, I, if it was underage drinking, that's different. If it's I, overage, then see, I don't remember, I but say it doesn't well, like, I guess what I'm saying is if he drank, okay, I don't know whether Janet did. So and also yeah. she didn't date him for that long. Yeah. So so maybe this is just but it's very judgmental. You know you know, you know where saying. you know where this is coming from, Ryan. You know where this is coming from? What? These are my memories of season 5 and of Becca's extremely <laughs> strong you, you character. You miss season 5, Becca. I miss season 5, Becca. Even though we had that extended episode where we talked about Becca's characterization and whether she was a protagonist or antagonist or what. That was a great episode to give us a lot of insight on the character. And it helped me understand like where she's coming from and the growth that she experienced from that to not ju- to to not harbor resentment for people, right? And so at the very you least, think. at the very least, she's harboring resentment for this character who is of much lesser importance in her life than Joan was. And if she was able to get over Joan and to have the song, There is a Bomb in Gilead, be the moment that she came to terms with all that had happened in her life with her mom and forgiving her and then losing her to have that Becca then be yeeted over into this Becca. That's already, that's why I'm jumping through hoops to try to make this make sense for Becca's character because otherwise this hurts. Yeah. Even just thinking back to after that season six, where she's the one teaching her brother a lesson and being like, Hey, don't do anything you'll regret. Be, be forgiving. And here she's she's like, she dated Tom Richter. Why should that matter? You can't hold that against her. Why not? Uh, because you already learned this lesson and you showed that gave... you learned it, that you can forgive people. Uh, you just gave me a flashback from Why God that I had forgotten about. Becca's barely in that episode, but the few lines that she does have are really, really good. Yeah. Moving on, in the progression of events... The other thing is that Mary, of course, says, like, hey, this is why, like, can we just talk about this thing with Mary for a second here? I mean, that's where she, we we're going. We're done with Becca. I don't see anything else to yeah, talk about there. Yeah, we, we can move on from Becca. So Mary takes what Becca learns that she should be, well, actually, no, we're going back to Becca. 
So Becca says that she should help her father because if she doesn't, she's not doing what God wants. Did I miss something in the context? Did I want to be as fair as I can to this episode? Otherwise, I'm gonna come there around is, like talking. Like there I'm is gonna... no that comes completely out of left field. It's like the best way I can describe how it made it into the script is that it's just to set up a the next given in the ideology of the writer, perhaps that. If you aren't doing everything you can to help your parents in their pursuits, you're not honoring them. Because, like, that's at least as far as the biblical tenet we got. We got you should honor your father and mother. As far as what that means and what that requires of you, many people have different arguments. Some people say that means that you need to respect them. You should you should just treat them with respect. Some say that it means that like you should not just obey them, but also like make all of your life ordered around serving them. And I think that maybe that goes a bit more extreme than what the original language actually implies. The original the original implication implies that it's more of a listen to them and heed their instruction kind mm-hmm. of relationship, which means that in this case, that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking like it seems like Becca is implying that she needs to go even further, that not only should she listen to her dad and give him the time of day when he explains why he's interested in Janet, she should also like just intuit that he's interested in Janet and then do everything she can in her power to bolster that relationship, even if she has a possible problem with it or thinks right. there might be issues. Even if there are real problems with it, which my mind is still jumping to try to figure out. Like, well, if there are, like, like this isn't to say, hey, sorry, Becca, you're wrong, so you can never have negative intuitions about things. If you do, seek them out. The problem I have with Becca in this episode is that she's not just seeking them out, she's making the judgment call before she's actually done any legwork. She She's basically saying, I don't trust Janet, and then instead of saying, let me go talk to Janet and see if my concerns are founded, she says, nope, I don't like her. And I don't want my dad dating her. And I basically can t- completely shut down the idea altogether and will do so with anyone that dis- that even mentions it. That's Which like, isn't really the Becca that we seem to have gotten to know in the past, but okay. That's like if in season one, Maya goes up to Mikey and is like crying and Michael's like, Maya, what's up? And Maya's it's like, Ms. Kopeck, she, <laughs> she did something really nice for me today. And Michael's like, okay. She, she baked me banana bread and she holds out the banana bread and Michael's like, oh, wow. And, and, and I was like, she's she came all the way from California just to just give me banana bread. And then we get to season two and she's from New York and she's mean. And it's like, wait, you gave us a, a very different perspective of this person who we didn't even see interacting in right. a way that would would have been meaningful here. And that's a ridiculous example. Is that because Janet Gray baked banana bread or something in a previous episode? I forget. No, no, it's no, it's because Janet Gray doesn't exist in this episode. She has one scene where she's interacting with John. We don't see any scenes of her interacting with with Ben. It's just all hearsay. So we and don't I have. I think we, she was in. She was in like the Let Them Eat Cake episode. They were both in the she, episode, but they weren't interacting with each other. Yeah, like she just brought something. She was. She just existed. Or, or, sure. Yeah. So my thing is, I I trust Becca. So that's why I trusted Becca in this episode. And for Mary to just summarily dismiss her point of view and Becca to just buckle under it, it doesn't feel, yeah. it doesn't make sense. It feels weird. But then also just the weird ideology just that's just thrown in there that like, oh, I should be helping him with everything. Well, no, if you have a problem, there is a 
series of actions you can take to follow up on that in a godly way. The way to do that is not to just buckle and say, no, 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 father knows best, and I should just, like, that causes a lot of problems, because fathers are fallible too. Fathers can make mistakes. If you see that and you think that there's a problem, you need to have a conversation. Even so, not having that conversation, if you do have an intuition issue like this i knew i know about this plenty from five years of marriage which we're celebrating in like a week by the way hey five years of marriage one thing that you learn is that you don't get anywhere by telling your partner hey don't doubt me not that i've ever said that i don't i don't tell hannah don't doubt me sometimes she approaches things in a oh well i don't want to doubt him i don't want to think wrong of him kind of way and so we it actually ends up avoiding conversations and then later everything comes out and i'm like okay you you had a problem or you were concerned about this course of action i was going to take but you didn't tell me because you you wanted to think the best of me well that's not necessarily what needs to happen if people are concerned about something they need to have that conversation that open communication makes for better relational intimacy between those two people Because now they both know each other's hearts. They're able to come together in unity when they have the talk. And the first person is like, hey, I'm concerned about this. Second person says, oh, okay. Well, here is some added context that might alleviate your concerns. Oh, well, that's better. Now we move forward in unity. That would be the kind of conversation that would be useful for Becca. But not, oh, no, I need to support him in everything that he does. And that's the only way to serve God. Which... As far as how Mary takes that, she takes that home and she says, look, I've been do- I've been thinking about this all wrong. We need to make sure that we're paying attention to what God wants, not to what we want, which I'll grant that's almost right. You should be more concerned with what God wants for you than for what you want for you if you're having selfish concerns. But Mary, how are you so convinced that God doesn't want you to move? Well, because John is mayor. And how did he become, how does, how do they know that God wants him to be mayor? Because they, because God clearly wanted him to be mayor. Don't you know? Right. And what was the specific incident that led to that? Um, he saw a sign. My point exactly. So the, this is more of a very strange ideology that is unfortunately very pervasive in many groups. In fact, I have, there's a family I know about who they were part of a church that was actively abusing them. Mm. It was not safe for their kids. Their kids were getting into situations of like social and physical abuse. The whole family was living in a area that was not very safe. And in fact, one of the people in the church actually would like drive past their house and like creep on them. It was really weird. Lots of really odd things that they probably should have gotten out of that situation. But I've heard this from the family. They said that they prayed and they didn't feel a peace from God that they should leave. The problem with this ideology is that like, uh, I'm not going to say, hey, if you have this, um, if you don't have a piece, you should just ignore yourself. You should definitely, like, do what you think is right in the situation. I'm not discounting anyone's consciences in any situation in their life. What I am saying is, I don't think that when you, when the Bible says follow God's will, that means to play this Russian roulette in your mind about (laughs) what you think God thinks. That's not a peaceful way to live your life. You're never going to be at peace 
if you're trying to constantly guess what God wants for you when he tells you in his Bible. He tells you the things that he wants for you. He tells you how he wants you to live. He tells you what things are sin and what not to do. And he tells you the things that you should do. He tells you that he cares about you providing good fruit and not, uh, and he, he tells you that he wants you to be a good steward of the gifts that he's given you. Here in this situation, I feel like Mary could make a very good case for staying or for not staying based on stewardship. She could say, well, John, you're the mayor. You have a lot of influence. And that means that God has given that to you to steward. And John could say, yeah, but I really don't feel like I'm able to use it. Like, look at this situation. I'm the mayor of the town and I can't stop something that's going to cause Grace to be very unceremoniously kicked out of her house, which her father built with his own two hands. In fact, I can't really do any, much of anything. Like, the, the the sheer amount of political weirdness that's going on means that I don't have the power to do the things that I feel morally are the things I should do. So maybe it is time to move on to green pastures. Like, they can have that conversation. They can weigh the the pros and the cons of how to steward their time, their gifts, their efforts. And that's a way to determine, uh, like, with an actual scientific method of sorts, how to best please God as best as they can. But the problem with this scene where Mary is trying to describe why she thinks God shouldn't, uh, what God doesn't want them to go, count the number of times she says maybe. Mm. I don't think so. I think maybe. Maybe it is God's. And maybe he's made I you the mayor. I don't know. I don't know how peace of But heaven. I do know that I think God hasn't released I us. think we're supposed to be here. What if God was using you to count show Count the number of times she says maybe, or possibly, or anything where she qualifies things. Because she says, maybe God doesn't want us to go because of this reason. Possibly God doesn't... Okay, I thought that you just said that you didn't think God wanted you to go. Do you actually think that, or are you guessing? Yeah, I don't trust you. I'm sorry, but I, Mary doesn't substantiate what specifically... Like, even a sign, even an actual sign would have been better than what we get in this episode, because we have actual signs in this episode where John says, well, what about all the concerns we had? And instead of Mary saying, well, we'll continue to fight against it. And I believe God is going to alleviate those concerns. She just says, God's changed me and that we aren't supposed to worry about tomorrow. Since Which, we're playing I'll the game of just that. quoting a single like, verse out of... No, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on, fear things. hang on, hang on, Ryan. If we, since we're going to play the game of just quoting a single verse out of context, I'm going to quote a single verse out of context. Yet this one probably has better context because it's from Proverbs. Proverbs 22, 3. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. There is clear oh, danger here, and Mary is not hiding herself from this danger. The town has proven that they will bulldoze houses on Gilead Lane without giving warning to the residents. Mary, your children are going to die if you stay here, you fool. Gosh. <laughs> you know, I was thinking more that the fears that she had were related to the mean tourists in the canning aisle. No, you're, we you're just totally established right. first episode. They will do this. They will destroy your house without telling you, without checking who's inside. Yeah, that's... No, Mary. That's not I pleasant. don't trust you. <laughs> yeah. <I'm... laughs> it's... It's... Everybody... Oh, we have, what, eight more episodes to go? 
<laughs> in this season? <laughs> oh, why are we counting? Uh, yes. I want to be as kind as possible to this episode as I can be, because we are either we have already we've, we have either already done an interview with Lori by the uh, time you're listening. We've done to it. This, we've we've already done it. To. We've already done it. We haven't recorded it at this point, but I, I think yeah. I know what. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I want to be as kind to this person as possible because they're they. This is nothing on Lori. Put a, this is absolutely nothing on Lori. This is just this episode. Like I've seen Lori write great episodes before. I right. We love you, Lori. <laughs> this is and not I would on love you. To, like, uh, like this is something I'm interested in delving into when we get to that interview. Like, kind of asking, like, "Hey, what were the circumstances around these episodes being written? Yeah. Were there any specific ideas you were trying to get across?" Because I really want to believe that there were good ideas, good moral lessons that were trying to be get across, but like maybe something was wrong in the like how much time was given to write an episode, or like there's something that just fell through the cracks and that's why these episodes feel so odd feel disjointed or misguided or misdirected in the morals and the lessons they're trying to teach all we're trying to do here is kind of break these apart because the this ideology it's not being taught to people in a area where lots of people can reply to it like this was all being released what like 20 years ago 2009 so 2014 for this 14 one. years so ago 15 years ago yeah this was back during a time when like the internet was starting to get going and like the podcast the uh slow walk down gilead lane the coloring it was connection. going coloring connection or coloring that was the connect- official one. connection that's right there you go it going on at this point but that said it's not like there was this massive group of people go- jumping in to like criticize these episodes necessarily this was back when these episodes are being released and everyone's loving it and everyone's just like accepting it and going yes this is perfect this is all this all this ideology i'm just gonna eat this up because it's from a christian group and so i'm gonna accept it and that's something that you need to be very careful with and you need to make sure that the claims that you're making when you make it with the bible are substantiated and the the ideologies that you're sharing are substantiated you need to be able to go back to a bible verse and say this bible verse says this and that's what i'm saying that's what the main issue i have with this part of the episode is that it's not that it's a it's closer to a superstition where we're trying to guess what God is saying. Let's let's just uh, try to feel it out. What are the vibes from God today? And that's not a substantial that that's not a strong foundation. <laughs> yeah. And this goes back to the beginning of the season. Go, go back. Listen to the prologue of our review of Let Me Cake. This comes from an idea that you're not supposed to criticize art and you're you're not supposed to have an objective understanding of audio drama or of story. And that's problematic because when there are issues that come up, it's really hard for you to, to disagree with it because it's just like, oh, well, this is where this person was in life or this is where or th- this means something to at least one person. So it was worth it. Or, well, we need to look at the deeper meaning. It's true for somebody. It's, it's got to be true for you. Like, just just think about it a little bit more and maybe you'll appreciate it. Something that I used to believe and I kind of still believe on Odyssey episodes. I think I espoused this for a while. It's like you got to listen to episodes multiple times to get a better understanding of it. So but there have been several episodes where my subjective feeling hasn't changed from the beginning, but my objective feeling or my objective perspective has but for these episodes i this idea of objectivity and audio drama i wonder how many families know about that 
and how many families are objectively listed. No, there aren't a lot, which is why Rydell was so such a shock for the Odyssey fan base, because there were so many people who are listening to Adventures in Odyssey, not objectively, and all of a sudden Rydell comes along and they're like, wait a moment, that doesn't make sense. And then you get a new generation of Odyssey fans who are looking at it with a critical eye. It's remarkable what happened. And listening back to the Colorado Connection... Unintentionally, yeah, you you task failed successfully. <laughs> that's task his fa- that's his actual mo. He's been the actual good guy all this time. Just like, yeah, I will sacrifice my reputation to get people to think critically about audio drama. He he very well he very much did that. But as I go back and listen to the coloring connection, there's tons of praise that's that's on these episodes. And maybe they're just only filtering out the positive stuff and just talking about the positives on the the coloring connection. And that might be the case, but I. It's only recently that I've been talking with fans who are like, yeah, I've got issues with those episodes. I've met so many fans who have been like, oh, no, I just like it all. Great. There there are serious problems here, and I can still like it. I can still have stuff that I like here. But unless we're willing to recognize that these are actually damaging themes, damaging theology in these episodes, just as much as we've lauded the good episodes in the past and the extremely strong theology of the early ones, and just like we pushed back a little bit in the beginning, like, well, I don't know if I agree with that. And Beth Culp came on and was like, yeah, I was, I kind of had a perspective that I don't really agree with anymore. This is, this is stuff we need to call out. And this is stuff that we need to be able to be here to talk about, to say, yeah, this is when it's done really, really well. And this is times when you need to think very carefully about what you're letting your kids listen to. And I can't believe I'm saying that about Down Gilead Lane. You got it. You got to know, guys. And like, that's, that's the thing. Like, you're, it's beyond Gilead. And it's, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we had to come to that point where we're like, mm, I don't know if I would like. I'm not sure if I would recommend like, hey, yeah. When I when Eliana grows up, I'm gonna let her listen to this season because wow. there's just so much that this is four we episodes in a row. Ryan, discussion about like we have. Four... I'd have to be explaining every time like, hey, this isn't what we believe. Hey, this isn't what the Bible says. And that's draining. I don't want right. to have to constantly yeah. like, give my daughter content that I have to unschool her from every single time. Well, you, you think it's you think it's draining when you're casually listening to it, guys out there. We we had a reprieve yesterday, or we had last po- yesterday last podcast with Austin. This is this has been four episodes in a row. Like not even a meh episode in here. These are four that are fundamentally extremely broken and. I don't know how long this streak is going to go. Like, I haven't heard the next one yet, so I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. So take our advice. Be careful. <laughs> yeah. That wow. said, it sounds like Michael's about to have an aneurysm. Is there anything uh, else you wanted to say in this episode? No, I'm done. I'm done. I want to get out of here. Okay, we... let's go to the raps. Ryan, you take it. I can't even anymore. Michael.exe has stopped working, so yeah, yeah. I'm going to take it from here. If okay. you'd like to lend your voice to this episode, if there was something you liked or disliked, in fact, hey, you know what? I'll add something I liked. I liked the conversation between Mary and Ben. I liked the, I liked the conversation between Mary and Ben. That yeah. seemed pretty genuine. And I was okay with the conversation between Mary and Grace. Like, they, they, but but seeing that where they okay. end up, yeah. well, that, that, and that, but that's the thing. It's like, oh, I guess we're still talking in the rap, so I'll, I'll wrap this up. Um, it's just, <laughs> those those scenes seem kind of mad to me, but then combined with the ending, it's like, yeah, you, you don't get a pass. You definitely don't get a pass. Yeah, it, like, the, the scene, those scenes don't make that better. Anyway, so. 
But uh, continue. If you thought something positive or negative about this episode, lend us your voice with a voice message. You can do that on returntogilead.com, where you'll be able to access all of our other episodes, even just if you want. Go back to the first episode and Please do. revel in the contrast between what the, the era we find ourselves in now and where we started. It It is an interesting change. I re-listened to the Meet the Morrisons review several times. I love it. Like as a first episode of a podcast, it's perfect. But not yeah. like not talking about I'll myself. Have to do but that. like, I wonder if it, like <laughs> I kind of wonder sometimes if we review things differently now. I mean, a like little bit differently, but not too differently. It. It's pretty much the same. No. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Next time we're going to be reviewing Fairly Weathered Friends, which is episode 142. Awesome. Well, until then, I'm Ryan and I'm Michael. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you all in the next episode as we once again return to Gilead. <laughs>